Welcome back. Pete and Stacy are here and excited because finally, finally, it's the most wonderful time, time of the year. <laughs> We've got witches and goblins and crows and hobnobbins and snakes in your ears. <laughs> and we're not talking about the magical season of Christmas, which we both love very much. We do. But it is finally spooky season. Spooky. People can stop complaining because fall <laughs> is actually here. Not saying that you all complain, but many people get very upset that people want to talk about fall and enjoy fall things before the first day of fall. That's fine. For you, your favorite season is fall. Yes, and I know there are many people that are with me on this. I definitely had pumpkin spice things before the first day of fall. You know why? Because I can. Because they're available to me and it makes me happy and brings me joy. It sparks joy like Marie Kondo. Why not? Do it. <laughs> so I'll climb down off of my soapbox. You're fired up right there. I am fired up. But I'm looking at it right now and I'm a little scared. So if you're thinking about saying something about fall coming too early, think twice. <laughs> well, our first movie that we're talking about during this wonderful, lovely season is The Craft. So The Craft came out in 1996, and we didn't actually plan it this way, but a, a couple episodes ago, we did a this or that, of all things 1996. Wait a minute. Why did we pick 1996 for the this or that? You just randomly, I told you to pick a year, and that's the year you picked. Oh, okay. Probably because of The Craft. <laughs> well, we didn't know for sure yet what we were doing. No, this. just because it's my favorite 1996 movie. Oh, and you just knew? It's I not your knew. favorite 1996 movie. <laughs> Happy Gilmore is your favorite 1996 movie. It's like your favorite movie of all time. It just happens to be from 1996. That's true. So, 1996. It's currently a Saturday night as we're recording this. And I want to know what you would be doing on a weekend night in 1996. In 1996, I had started college by this point. That's right. So, I was a freshman actually for both parts of 1996, because I was a freshman and then I was a freshman again. <laughs> <laughs> well, a lot of my credits didn't transfer to the new school I went to. So I started at one school and then I went to another school. Oh, afterwards. that's right. That's so right. I didn't quite have enough to be a sophomore. Listen, he's very intelligent. I was a good student. I just wasn't a good college student. Yeah, because you were better at video games. I was a lot better at video games. And that's partly what's on my list. So on my list for a weekend night in 1996, I have NBA Live 95 on the <laughs> Super Nintendo. I'd be playing that religiously. Yeah. I got quite good at that game. Good enough to where people could not beat me that I played. Until one point when my buddy Josh and then his brother Jason both beat me. Oh. I might have cried a little bit, but... <laughs> 
You were very tired. I was that. very tired. I was a little upset because I feel like I had about a 200 game winning streak going. Oh, that's upsetting. And then Josh beat me with like a three pointer at the buzzer from way past the three point line to win it. I was upset. Anyways. It's a great story. Yes. I'd also be playing some indoor soccer. So oh. I played a lot of indoor soccer back then. Yeah. And then if I wasn't doing either of those, I would be on my rollerblades rollerblading. <laughs> or as I called it, aggressive inline. <laughs> you called it aggressive inline, huh? Yes. That's what it was known as because I wasn't just rollerblading around with a break on the back of my rollerblades. I had aggressive inline skates where I could jump off of things. I could grind rails. I would do spins. I never did any flips, but I could do a 720 at some point in my rollerblading career. And if I wasn't doing any of those three, I might be playing my keyboard or if I had a piano, I might be playing that and writing a little music because yeah. I did that back then as well. Mm -hmm. Also, my first college job was that year and that's where I worked on the tech crew. So I would do audio and video tech crewing. Yes. Run sound, things like that. If you don't know, we went to a Christian college mm -hmm. and so we had chapel that we had to go to. That was three times a week, wasn't it? You didn't have to go three times a week, but they had it Tuesday, Thursday, and Sunday, Sunday right? nights, yeah. yeah. Did you have to go twice? I thought you had to go twice during the week. And I think there was two chapel services each day because I, you know, I would run one and because I was on the tech crew, I was exempt from having to go to chapel, but I still had to go to chapel. Oh. And then I remember if you missed them, there was like an alternate chapel, like at this little house on Wednesday nights. Oh, that's right. I forgot about that. It was very small and lots of people packed in there. Was that like a coffee house too? It felt like that. Maybe they just had coffee available. Yeah. It probably had like the silver pot of coffee, you know, with the, the oh, lever yeah. on the bottom. Mm -hmm. Church coffee. Yeah. That's about it for me. So I've taken you back. You take me back to Stacy in 1996. Okay. So I was a junior in high school at that point. I guess maybe for half of it, I was a sophomore and then I was a junior. I turned 17 that year. In the fall on Friday nights, it was definitely, I was at a football game and then the dance that followed if it was a home game. They had a dance after every football game? Yeah. Really? Yes. It was oh, great. Wow. Looked forward to those. We didn't have them, obviously, if it was an away game. And not every time, but a lot of times I would go, friends and I would go to the away games. That was just because of having Football guys. players that you cared about? Yes. Boys. Boys. <laughs> so we would do that. If I didn't go to the away game or if it wasn't fall, I was probably going to the movies with friends or renting movies from Blockbuster. You know, those are the best kind of Friday nights. Cruising the aisles, checking out the covers. And then it would be where you'd see the actual cover, right? And would you have to get lucky that there was a rentable version behind it? Yes. It was a roller coaster ride because you might get excited seeing something and then the disappointment of it not being behind the case. Yeah, especially for like the big hits. Yeah. When they first came out, it was hard to get them. But then for something that you just wanted, they might only have like one copy of it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And then, I mean, a lot of times I would just want something that was kind of rare. Right. Although I will say sometimes certain movies not being available is probably what opened me up to watching movies that were more obscure. Like right. Some of those movies are ones that I ended up loving, but it was just because the ones I really wanted weren't there. If Netflix or Hulu or any of those services had a, a more complete catalog where I could tune it a bit better and really not have some of their awful movies show up 
as available to me, I might do the play me something option where you can just go into Netflix and say, play something. Right. But I know it's going to be some piece of junk from Netflix that isn't like this kitschy movie you'd find in the blockbuster aisle by chance. It's just different. Well, there are also a lot more movies now. There are. (laughs) So it's even harder to like weed through, you know. Right. But let's not talk too much crap about Netflix or Hulu. They might want to sponsor us one day. Listen, we subscribe to and watch both of them. Yes. And there's lots of things on there that I like. And Prime and Paramount Plus and HBO Max and Apple Plus. Peacock, Apple Plus. All of the above. Yes. (laughs) Sponsor us. Somebody, please. (laughs) Please help us. (laughs) Please, sir. (laughs) All right. Finish what you were saying. (laughs) Well, it was funny because I shared this meme the other day on Instagram and it was a pretty big hit and... It was talking about that feeling of the movie actually being there yeah. behind the case. And then others were talking about how sometimes you could luck out because you could like hang out near the counter and check out the drop off box when people would drop them off and right. like, just hope. Oh, that was Armageddon. Grab it. Yeah. I mean, it was like a real experience. You know, you could be in Blockbuster for an hour just trying to figure out what you were going to take home. It was a very important decision because you were probably going to rent two to three movies To last you the weekend if you were going on a Friday night. You know what I mean? Right. And you only had, what, two days with them? Yeah, you get two days. And you think about like the slice of time that that covered. It was like a decade of time where that was a thing. Like what we just talked about was a thing. Like sitting by the Blockbuster Dropbox waiting for a movie to come back in because you were already at Blockbuster trying to get something. Right. You know, I thought it was interesting. Someone commented, granted, you know, you get trolls, but someone commented and they were just like, nope, don't remember this. And I was like, <laughs> well, then you must be way younger than all of us. Right. I wanted to be like, then why are you here? <laughs> if you're not related to us, <laughs> you're too young for this page. But anyway, I digress. Saturday nights, probably cruising. <laughs> that was a thing here in Cleveland when I first got here. Yeah, it was that way in college, too. I think we've talked about that before, yeah. but definitely doing that or like spending the night with friends or having them spend the night with me, hanging out at the mall. We didn't do that as much as we got older. As Too we old did, for that. You know, like in middle school, I definitely. I know I've talked about that. I used to do it all the time. Yeah. Later on, it wasn't so much like hanging out at the mall for a long time. It would be like we're going shopping. You know what I mean? It was we're different. adults. We're going shopping. We're going shopping and maybe going to a movie that was inside the mall, Mm -hmm. probably having a little din-din, you know, at Sparrow Pizza. Sparrow, yes. (laughs) Sparrow. I can't say it because there's a B there. Sparrow. Sparrow. (laughs) (laughs) Maybe having a little Orange Julius as a dessert. I have never had Orange Julius in my life. Is that a Southern thing? I don't even know what it is. It's like, a, I don't know what the ingredients are. I would say that it's a mixture of like a milkshake and a smoothie, but also kind of like an icy. <laughs> can't explain it. But it was orange in flavor. Now, I love me some orange, so I might have to try it's one. It's delicious. I remember hmm. loving it. Can I still get one? I think maybe there might be some places that have them. I don't know of anywhere around here that does, but oh. we'll look into it. All right. And then if I didn't have plans, I was... In my room, listening to angsty music, writing in my journal by the light of my lava lamps and glow in the dark stars. Really? You wouldn't do that with your lights on? No. Wow. Ruin your eyes. Is that what you were going to say? Is that true? I mean, people said that. I don't know if that's true That's what they've always said. I don't know if that's actually true. I used to read by flashlight. 
Yeah. We look at our phone screens in the dark all the time. Yeah. I feel like that is a old wives tale. Could be. Could be. Of course, I wasn't looking at a screen at that point. I was just writing in my journal. So maybe that's what's worse because you're like squinting. straining or squinting because it's more subdued lighting. Do we have a doctor in the audience? <laughs> Do we have an ophthalmologist? <laughs> so yeah, those were my 1996 evenings. It's good to dip back into it. I like that. Yeah. All right. So let's get into the craft. Finally. Finally. We have a lot to talk about, so we need to get to it. Like Rochelle, let's dive right in. Oh, Oh. (laughs) I have to say that I was very impressed when we were watching it. And this is not the first time that we've watched it together. Right. But you know this movie well. I do. We were quoting lines before they happened on the screen. I mean, I've watched it quite a few times. I think I had this on VHS. Yeah. But also, there's just certain lines that stick with me in this movie. And I know when they're coming, and then I'm an annoying and say it right before it comes. (laughs) (laughs) I'm an annoying. If you guys didn't watch Jersey Shore, that's from Jersey Shore. Check it out. The original. Oh, and the new stuff, too. But start with the original. (laughs) So if you don't know, The Craft is a supernatural horror film, right? It's about these four high school girls who, well, three of them feel like outcasts already at this one school. Right. And one of them is new to the school. And we soon learn that the others notice that she has special powers and they are into witchcraft. Okay. So they want to bring her into their coven to be their fourth. They've been waiting for their fourth. And then she just happens to show up. What would you have done? If you were sitting in history class and you saw someone holding a pencil up with their mind and screwing it into the desk. I'd probably make the same noise that Nev Campbell makes. (laughs) (laughs) I would definitely make that noise. Yeah. Very dramatic intake of breath. Yes. I think I would have screamed. (laughs) I would not have made a dramatic breath noise like Nev Campbell. Do you point at her and be like, devil! Devil! (laughs) She's a bitch! So anyway, they welcome her into their coven. She, you know, hesitantly joins in. They begin practicing witchcraft together. And it's all fun and games until it's not. And they take it a little too far. They do take it a lot too far. Just a wee bit too far. Just a tad. I mean, people die. People die. There's glamour deaths. The whole thing. Snakes. We'll get into it. Yes. So this was directed by Andrew Fleming. The screenplay was by Peter Filardi and also by Andrew Fleming. It starred the confusingly named Robin Tunney. (laughs) Why is that confusing? (laughs) Because we've talked about this before when we did Empire Records. I have always thought that it was Tooney until you said Tunney. And I was like, oh, there are two ends there. (laughs) Oh, that's right. Yeah. It's two ends. Yeah. You're probably right. I think I am right. (laughs) It's very upsetting to me, though, because it's always going to be Robin Tooney in my mind. Kind of like how Phoebe... (laughs) I was going to say, you take away Phoebe Cates from me. I take away Robin Tooney from you. <laughs> so Robin Tunney played Sarah Bailey. She was the new girl at school. And one of my favorite baddies, Feruza Balk, as Nancy Downs. She's the best. She is. Nev Campbell as Bonnie Harper. Rachel True as Rochelle Zimmerman. Skeet Ulrich as Chris Hooker. Cliff DeYoung as Sarah's dad. I'm sure he has a name, but. Yeah, we'll call him Sarah's dad. Christine Taylor. As Laura Lizzie. Good old Brecken Meyer as Mitt. Yes. The catcher's Mitt. He's all leathery and dusty. 
What? <laughs> like the catcher's bed. It's like, oh, oh, okay. <laughs> Nathaniel Marston as Trey, which I guess is just Brecken's friend in the movie because I didn't know who that was. So I assume that's who it was. You got Chris, Mitt, and Trey. Those are the three friends. So yeah. Okay. Brecken Meyer and Nathaniel are together most of the time and they're okay. buddies with Skeet. Oh, yeah. Trey is where they were having the party at the end of the movie. Okay. Yep. Trey's house. Helen Shaver as Grace Downs, who is Nancy's mom. And, oh, this is a fun name. Ooh. Assumpta Sarna as Lirio, who was the witch who had the occult shop that the girls would come into, and she helped Sarah at the end of the movie. Assumpta. I like her. I do like her as well. And now it's time for some fun facts. Eighty-five actresses screen tested for the four main roles. That is an incredible amount in my mind. Maybe that's standard in Hollywood. I don't know. I read that it took a really long time to cast the movie. To cast like, them. I feel like eight or nine months or something. Oh, wow. Okay. Maybe it's not that long, but anyway. That feels like a long time to a layman. Yeah. But that included Angelina Jolie, Alicia Silverstone, and ScarJo. Some big names there. Not that they were big at the time. But... Right. Well, I feel like Angelina had done a couple things at that point. Alicia had done Clueless. Well, this was the year, I think this was probably going on around the same time. Like, Clueless probably wasn't out yet. Yeah. So people didn't know. So if you were the casting director and you would cast those three, who would you cast them as? I was thinking about this earlier. I feel like Angelina, definitely Nancy. With her short hair, when Angelina has shorter hair, I could see her being able to pull off the crazy. Not as good as Feruza, but... I was picturing her more as Bonnie. I don't know. I have a hard time thinking of her as being like sweet and innocent. Hmm. I see that. Now, Alicia for me is Sarah for sure. Yeah. She would definitely be a Sarah. ScarJo, I feel like she could have been any of them really. Yeah. I'm not sure who she would have been. I mean, at the time she wasn't like the vixen that we grew to know her as. Right. So she could have been Bonnie. She could have been. Anyway. So the character of Rochelle was actually rewritten to be black when Rachel True was cast because, you know, it was originally four white girls. Mm -hmm. And Rachel was actually the first person to be cast in the movie. And so they ended up incorporating, uh, that's where the racism came from. You know, obviously that wasn't an original thing. And then they decided to play into that. So Robin Tunney was initially cast as Bonnie. Which I, I can see that, I guess. I can see it, too. I could see her and Nev switching. But yeah. it's because I know the leading lady that Nev became. Right. She wasn't there yet. At this point, she had only done Party of Five. Okay. You know, and she did Scream the same year. So it's kind of funny. Yeah, I wonder which one she shot first. I'm going to say she did Scream second. Yeah. But the producers decided that she'd be better in the role of Sarah, which, of course, they had to persuade her to accept because she wanted to be Bonnie. And in watching some interviews with her, it sounded like she always saw herself as being more of a character actor rather than the lead. She did a great job. The only problem that I have with the whole thing (laughs) is because she had just come off of filming Empire Records in which she shaved her head in the movie and she really did shave her head. And so she had to wear a wig throughout the craft. And it's a really bad wig. It is not a good wig. That's for sure. It's very distracting. I don't know if it bothered me as much back in 1996 when I first watched it, but I think I definitely could tell something was off. I was like, that's not her real hair. For me, I didn't notice it at all until you pointed it out, but now I can't unsee it. Yeah. 
But I guess for the time, they probably did as good of a job with it as they could have. Yeah. And you think about like if we went back and watched this on VHS, much lower resolution. Is it as noticeable? (laughs) It's probably less noticeable. That's true. So real life Wiccan Pat Devin was brought on to act as like an onset advisor. She wrote the actual incantations that were used, and she made sure that the treatment of the Wiccan subject matter was accurate or as accurate as it could be and respectful to it as well. I thought that was good. Yeah. That was smart because you were going to piss off a lot of people that are Wiccan if you did it wrong. Yeah. Then they'd be casting spells on you. Uh, So real snakes and bugs and rats were used on this set. And they said there were around 10,000 snakes on set. You think about being that snake wrangler or those snake wranglers trying to keep track of every single snake. Oh, you know they missed some when they had to gather them all back up. You know they did. Absolutely. There are probably still snakes in that house if that house is real, if it's not just a set. Or there's snakes in the wild that came from this movie. Yeah, (laughs) for sure. Generations of snakes. And let me say that this movie and like three other movies that we watched this week for another episode all had snakes in them. And we watched all of these movies (laughs) in one day yesterday. And last night I woke up from having a snake dream because I'm that person that if I see a snake on TV or anything, people even talk about them. I will typically dream about them that night. You do. And of course, I dreamt about one. And I dreamt it was like coming up on me. So I woke myself up out of the dream and I looked over at Pete and the way that his pillow was like folded kind of around his head, it just looked like there was just from the shadows and everything. I just thought there was a snake sitting on top of his head. (laughs) And then, you know, if you stare at something long enough in the dark, you start to think it's moving. And so I tried to ignore it for a long time and tell myself, no, it's just the pillow. It's not that. But I could not go back to sleep. So finally, I woke him up and I was like, listen, (laughs) Close your eyes. I had a snake dream. Close your eyes. I had to turn on my flashlight on my phone so I could make sure. And it was, in fact, the pillow. It was just the pillow at that point. (laughs) (laughs) Well, listen, I did it for both our sakes because I was like, what if it was? And then I didn't look and check on him. Listen, I appreciate it. And I thought that waking you was better than shining a flashlight in your face and, you know, getting punched. Well, listen, I don't know that I would have punched you, but I would have punched that phone. (laughs) I mean, I would have thought it was an alien or something. So good on you waking me up. And then also thank you for telling me to close my eyes. You're welcome. I figured you thought I I was like in a dream or something. Yeah, I wasn't. I was just like, what? (laughs) And you're like, just close your eyes. I'm like, okay. And then he like turned it on. I was like, what What is she doing? (laughs) (laughs) And I was just like, I had a snake dream. And so then you touched me and it helped me feel better. That's right. I like to comfort you at night. Yeah. So, you know, Robin is the one that had to kind of deal with most of all of this. I mean- I guess Feruza did too later on, but the majority of it was Robin. And I think she was okay with the snake stuff and the bug stuff. Mm -hmm. But when it came to the rat having to fall onto her head, she was like, hell no. Nope. (laughs) So, So she had them use a stunt double for that. If I was in a movie, they would be dropping zero live animals on me. Agree. I don't even care if it's like a cute, fluffy bunny. Uh, I don't like bunnies. (laughs) Now a cat, maybe if I got to meet the cat beforehand. Uh, that's like the last thing I would want dropped on my head with their claws. That's a good point. No cats. <laughs> so apparently the Wiccan that came on set and wrote the incantations, who we mentioned was Pat Devin, she wrote real ones. So when they were doing the calling the corner scene on the beach, the ocean waves came up higher as they were doing the incantations and one time even wiped the whole set out. <laughs> 
even though the park ranger said this is not high tide time right now. Right. And they shouldn't have that problem. Shouldn't have that problem. Yeah. But we, they did. We watched an interview where they were talking about when it happened and yeah. how they were all kind of freaked out, but they just stayed in the moment. They were like, those incantations were real because as soon as they would stop, the ocean would go back. Yeah. thought that was kind of cool. <laughs> it was kind of cool. So like most teen movies in the 90s, none of these actresses were actually teenagers. And the oldest of them, Rachel True, was 30 years old. She was 30 when she shot this? Yeah. Can you believe that? No, that's crazy. I know. So Feruza Balk was a practicing Wiccan during filming, and she ended up buying the occult shop she had visited during her time researching for the role of Nancy. The store is called Panpipes Magical Marketplace, and it is apparently the oldest store of its kind in America. Now I want to go there. Yeah, I wonder where that's at. It's got to be out in California somewhere. Yeah, it's got to be like L.A. So even though they followed all of the guidelines in order to be rated PG-13, the film was still rated R due to the fact that it was geared towards teen girls and it was meant to inspire them and empower them. But because it involved witchcraft, the MPAA told the director that it would be rated R no matter what. Was that because of the witchcraft or because it was meant to empower and inspire teen girls? Yikes. That is a hard-hitting question. It is. Like, when I read this, I got angry. Yeah, it's very upsetting. Right. Because that's a big deal as far as the literal audience that can go and see that movie. Well, and I'm just like, okay, it's a religion to some people. So you're just going to decide which one is the right one? Yeah, the MPAA decided. That's the bad one. So we're not going to let them see this. I'm like, listen, the teenagers that want to see this movie will find a way to see this movie. Yeah. It's just ridiculous. Like, you could turn on the TV and see naked women in the middle of the night, but you can't go see a movie about witchcraft. Right. It's just silly. Sucks. Yeah. Well, I'm like, I was watching Freddy Krueger and, like, Chucky, a doll, kill people when I was in the fifth grade. Yeah, 10 years before that. Right. But heaven forbid. Oh, well, I guess that's it. (laughs) Anyway. Are you you off your soapbox now? I'm I'm back off. Sorry. We're off our soapbox. I climbed back up for a second. (laughs) So one of the missions that the creators of the movie had was to stay true to real life witchcraft and not to offend anyone. So while all of the chants and incantations are mostly real, they did make up the god that the girls worshipped, Manon. Manon. I always think it's Manon in my mind, but... I always think it's Mignon, like (laughs) filet Mignon. (laughs) And it makes me hungry. So we talked about the one thing with the ocean coming up when they were doing the incantations. But another strange thing that they talked about that happened while they were filming was that a white owl would follow them around. And not just in one particular place. It was several different locations. So this was interesting. The director said that he wanted the girls to look like they were in The Cure. (laughs) So the goth, witchy look with a punk element was absolutely and utterly a goal. And I appreciate it. Oh, yeah. As previously stated. (laughs) You have said that. Yeah. He was definitely into that look. Yeah. And I'm just someone that wishes I could pull off that look. You do pull off that look. (laughs) Well, not on purpose. You're just talking about my natural... Paleness. (laughs) Paleness. Pastiness with dark hair. I've never said pasty. I've never said pasty ever. (laughs) You know what's funny? If you listen to that episode where we're talking about that, which was the 1996 this or that, like two days later, we were in the hot tub. And you were like, you look so tan. You did look tan in the hot tub. I don't, <laughs> listen, it's not my fault that your skin color changes all the time. It does You look change. like we had just gotten off the beach. I'm like a chameleon. You are. 
This I thought was relatable. So in the interview that we watched, Rachel True was talking about both the flying scenes where they're on the wires and the light as a feather, stiff as a board scene made her feel self-conscious because she just felt like the wires and then the hydraulic lift that she was being lifted up on just made her hips look wider. Oh, really? And I was like, it's not really a fun fact, but it just felt like something that, you know, people can relate to. And that even though, at least for me, when I see her, I don't think of her as having (laughs) wide hips. You know what I mean? But even if I did, who cares? But I just understand that feeling of being worried about that. Right. And the fact that she was so worried about it that she talked about it in several interviews, actually, because I also read a different one where she was talking about it, too. Yeah. So it's almost like she wanted to put out there like. These are not my hips. These are not my (laughs) hips. They might look wide in those scenes. But I'm like, you probably just made people notice something that they weren't even thinking about. But I understand where she's coming from. And it's funny too, like she was saying, I expected some like high technology version of making us three fly and it was just wires. Yeah. Like it's been since 1920. Yeah. And I think it's probably still the same now. Yeah. Well, some of it, they've, they've changed the harnesses and stuff a little bit, but yeah. it's essentially the same thing. All right. So let's talk about favorite moments. Okay. So my first one is the, we invoke the scene. (laughs) I figured that would be. They're just going around like the whole circle, but then it's really focused on Nancy. And she's just like... And then like the lightning comes down like... I mean, she is just so intense out on that beach. And I love it. I love it, too. It's so good. It's like kind of scary, but exciting, too, because you're just like, what's going to happen? Right. And like their glass breaks and their animals all fall out. Yes, because they've all brought their own animal to represent their element. Yep. Oh, my gosh. And then in comes men on. (laughs) Okay, so my first one is when the girls take the bus to go on their quote unquote field trip. Yeah. So they can go practice together. And when they get off the bus, the bus driver looks at them and he says, watch out for those weirdos. And they all turn around and look at him. And Nancy's just like, we are the weirdos, mister. She like puts her sunglasses down and And she's just so happy. Flashes that smile. She does. It's so great. I just wish that I could have that kind of confidence. Yeah. So cheeky. (laughs) So next up for me, In that same beach scene, but right afterwards, that shot of Nancy when she's walking on the water, she just looks so like brooding and badass as she's walking in on the water. And of course, that's followed up by a spot that made us both laugh, which we've termed (laughs) giant Nancy, because the scene right after that, they like get their scale wrong. Yeah. And Feruza Bach is like five foot two or something. I don't know her height, but she's pretty little. She seems small. Yeah. But she is like six foot nine when you see her on the water. (laughs) Compared to the other girls. Yeah. So odd looking. Yeah. Their scale is just way off. How do they not catch that? Why do they not reshoot that or, you know, change something? It has to be. It's just like, well, it's two seconds. Just let it go. But (laughs) I think I would have redone it. Uh, Yeah. And we talked earlier about how well you know this movie. And this is a scene right after this where like the sharks are all washed up on the beach. And this is where he was quoting. These are my gifts. These are my gifts. (laughs) I'm his daughter now. I'm his daughter now. (laughs) Oh, (laughs) so good. I'm so impressed. (laughs) And also she's like, I can feel him in me. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, really, they should have called you for the craft legacy. Yeah, I could have knocked it out of the park. (laughs) 
All right. This may be a little basic, but I love the light as a feather, stiff as a board scene. It's just so fun because at this point, they're just having fun with their witchcraft. They're just figuring out that they can make like little things happen. It's still innocent. At this point. Right. And they had just been hanging out with each other. And like Sarah brings up the game and asks them if anybody's ever played. And so then they go to play it. And then it actually works. Right. Have you ever played that game before? No, I haven't. Uh-huh. I've wanted to. Maybe I've like tried it at a summer party, but it never worked. It didn't work for us either. I don't think. Yeah. We're pretty powerful, though. Oh, yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Well, and I just think it's funny because they're just joking around at first. And, you know, Nancy's like, oh, where do we put our fingers? (laughs) Because she's like, just do two fingers (laughs) and and you put them up under her. Yeah, they're like, oh, I broke my finger. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Then she's like, oh, I think I sprained my finger. You know, Rochelle's like, shut up. Shut up. (laughs) But their reaction to Rochelle actually floating, I thought they did a really great job with that. They did. Because they're just like, holy shit. And they don't, but they don't want to say it too loud because they don't want to startle Rochelle because she doesn't even realize she's floating. Right. Because at one point then she's like, it's not working, guys. You know, and then she looks over and she's like, luckily they had the uh, pillow there. Yeah, that was a good idea because when Bonnie's mom comes in, Down goes Rochelle. She bites it. Yeah. And she's like, oh, my butt. Yeah. (laughs) All right. So next up for me, when Laura gets her comeuppance for being such a mean girl. Yes. Like she is super terrible to Rochelle. And I, for one, was happy to see her get hers. Yeah, me too. Freaking racist. Get out of here. Seriously. And was she serious when she's like, what did I do to deserve this? (laughs) Just like, really? (laughs) Do you not know? Well, no, I don't think she does know. Yeah. Otherwise, she probably wouldn't be that way. Maybe. I don't know. I guess maybe when you're like that, you don't realize it. I think when you're like that, you don't think you're wrong. Hmm. I have to say that really quickly because it's so weird to me still to see Christine Taylor and also Brecken Meyer playing a-holes. Yeah, because, they both are. Yeah, but I normally love them in other stuff. Mm-hmm. I mean, well, before Christine Taylor played Marsha Brady, I loved her on Hey Dude. She played Melody and she was like the sweet one. I think she was sweet. I remember her being sweet. Right. And then- She was sweet on Friends too. <laughs> yeah, I forget about her being on Friends. <laughs> also Another bald. time we've seen her bald. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and I love her in Dodgeball, you know, but it's just so off putting. I hate it. Yeah. But also, like Breckenmeyer, I mean, he's been in a ton of stuff, but I love him in Clueless. And so to see him being a jackass in this just yeah. sucks. He is a big D. Hey. Mm hmm. So there's a small montage in the movie. There's probably a few montages, but this one in particular, it's not too long, but it shows like the girls hanging out in someone's bedroom and they're watching Bewitched, which is funny. It is. And then it cuts to them at school. And this is after not all the good things have happened for them, but some of the things have started happening. So they're obviously more confident. Right. And just feeling very badass. And so this is where we get the slow-mo walk. The outdoor cafeteria, basically. like It, it's, it looked like a cafeteria to me. Yeah, like everybody's out there eating lunch, hanging out. And they're just doing their slow-mo walk. And like, you know, Nancy, she blows her kiss. And something that they had mentioned in some of the interviews we saw where the more powerful they got, the shorter their skirts got. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I thought that was kind of funny. It is funny. And knowing that bit of information, I was watching and I was like, oh, kind of does happen. Yeah, you can definitely tell a difference in their style and just the way they're carrying themselves. Yeah. 
So I just always think that's a really fun scene. Okay, my next one, when the girls are all taking that vow that they do, I don't know what it's called. Yes. Do you know? We'll call it the vow. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. And then at the very end, Nancy downs the rest of the wine. Or is it's that funny because her name is Nancy Downs? Oh, it is. Oh, huh. <laughs> I was like, why is he saying her whole name right here? <laughs> That's funny. Is it wine or are they drinking each other's blood? It's both. Okay, so it's wine with their blood in it. Yes. Okay. Pretty sure. I mean, because there's a bottle of wine. I'm pretty sure they pour it into the thing, but then they also put their blood in there. Okay. And then she's like, <laughs> Blessed be. <laughs> Bless Bless me. Me. I just like how serious that scene is. And then she cracks a joke at the end to lighten it up. I just enjoyed that scene. Yeah, because it's where they, I don't know if that's where they like confirm that they are the circle. Right. Or they're like joining a coven together. Yeah. Well, I think they already had a coven though before oh, okay. Sarah joined. But whatever it is that they say there, we'll play it right here. It is better that you should rush upon this blade than enter this circle with fear in your heart. How do you enter? With perfect love and perfect trust. So just like they're all taking an oath to be a part of the coven together. Yeah. Or the circle. Okay. So my first honorable mention, I love when Lirio, who is the shop owner, and she's a witch, obviously, is going to help Sarah at the end when Sarah's freaking out because all the girls are coming after her. This is when they've come into her dreams and she knows it's not good. Right. So she goes to try to find... She was going to get a book, I think, to try to invoke Manon, maybe. Or no. No, she, she, did she just go to ask for help? I think so, because hadn't she bound Nancy? And it didn't work. Already, right? And it didn't work. Yeah, because Nancy was like, stop trying to put spells on me. Right. And they had all threatened her in the bathroom at this point, too. <laughs> That's right. Because they were saying that in the old days, if someone betrayed their coven, then they would kill her. Yeah. So, yeah. Reason to be scared. And we've already seen them kill someone, so. Mm -hmm. They're serious. Yeah. So at this point in Lirio's shop, they hadn't been allowed to go behind this curtain. And all of a sudden, Lirio takes her behind the curtain and basically is telling her she can tell. And I think she had told her this before, like the ring that she has was her mom's. She knew it was her mom's. And here she's telling her that her mom was also a witch. But Sarah didn't know her mom because her mom died during childbirth. Right. So... She had no idea. And like, so this is, I guess, they're just like natural witches because Sarah had powers before she ever was like practicing. Exactly. So Lirio is telling her, you know, your mom wants you to be strong because I guess she can hear what her mom is saying. And she's basically telling her you need to invoke. She says like the higher power or whatever. I forget. I thought she said invoke the spirit or. She might say the spirit. I, I thought she maybe said. Higher power. Higher power. Higher power it is. Uh, she might have said spirit. Sarah doesn't want to because she's seen what Nancy has done. And Lirio is like, Nancy's using it in the wrong way, basically. So together, they hold hands and they're starting to do the invocation. And all of a sudden, like the doors burst open and she knows that it's the other girls coming. Well, fire flies Yeah, I mean, it's and, insane. Yeah. But she just runs away and runs back home. And I'm like, this is the one thing that annoys me because Sarah gets spooked. But I'm like, I really wanted to see her there with this powerful witch yeah. to see what they could have done together against these girls. Right. I wish, actually, that it would have been like a Mr. Miyagi thing, you know, where she would have like trained her because or, she didn't really know what she was doing. Right. Or if the other three did show up, she just like easily cast them aside like Mr. Miyagi did with Cobra Kai. Right. So this part I felt like was a little bit of a plot hole. Yeah. You know, it was it a just, letdown. I just feel like there could have been more there. Right. Because it's like you're putting this person in her life that could actually be a mentor for her. 
where she could learn how to do witchcraft and she could like hone her craft, you know, and become something beyond what any of those girls were. Yeah. But we didn't get that. We got shortchanged. We did. But I understand, you know, also why they didn't have that all go down there in the shop, because then we wouldn't have gotten those scenes at the house Yeah. later, which was like the big. It's the finale. Yeah. Okay. So for me in HM, the scene where Nancy tricks Chris with the glamour. Yes. And he makes him think it's Sarah and he's obsessed with Sarah and he finally gets to be with her. I think Feruza did a great job of acting this scene, like where he throws her off of the bed and she gets really upset. She like kind of hits her head and pulls her hair. And then she like changes herself into Sarah. They do their thing. Then Sarah shows up and they switch it over. But it eventually gets to where Chris says he's sorry. And then Nancy like freaks out. I just love that part where she's freaking out and screaming. Yeah. And then, of course, she kills Chris, which is not great, but it happened. Well, that part was always so distorted because it's like we already know that Nancy is she feels the way she feels about Chris because he did a similar thing to her. Right. He told everyone that she was a bad lay, like the worst lay he had ever had. And then he said the same thing about Sarah. And I think she was annoyed because even though he did that, Sarah still wanted him to love her. She still did the love spell right. on him. And so then he attempted rape on Sarah. So she's like, oh, we're going to go play. We're going to go to this party and find him. And she goes by herself and takes it upon herself to, quote unquote, get back at him, you know, where she does the trick, like you said. But that should have been enough, you know, like freak him out. Right. But then she took it too far. This was the point where it was like really... It was the tipping point because it's like, okay, this is where then you leave the room. He says he's sorry. Leave it alone. You know, and then that's where she freaks out. She like floats across the floor and her like, yes, her her boots are dragging. Oh, the tips of her toes. And that looks so witchy. Just the way her boots are, too. They look like witch boots. They do look like witch boots. (laughs) It's like the typical witch. Yep. So good. So another HM for me, I just love when Bonnie's scars are healed. Yeah. And the first time like she's a little late to class and <laughs> she just struts in wearing like a small t-shirt, which normally she's wearing super baggy clothes trying to hide her body. Right. And now all of a sudden she's just flaunting it. Like everybody loves seeing someone that has been so insecure suddenly super confident. Yeah. You know, and her friends are cheering her on and then all eyes are on her. Now all these guys who never gave her the time of day are like googly eyed at her. So it's like the ugly duckling. Yes. Becomes the swan. Yep. All right. Next up for me. I love how excited Nancy's mom is to have that Connie Francis jukebox. Yeah. (laughs) And the girls like have no idea who Connie Francis is, which I feel bad for her mom at that point. Yeah. And she's just wanting to like hang out with them and tell them about Connie Francis. And she's following them into the bedroom and Nancy just slams the door on her face. And I I really felt bad for her mom there. I felt bad for her too. Like this is a moment where Nancy's super excited to show off their new apartment after they've gotten this life insurance money from, you know, her mom's abusive boyfriend. But her mom's excited too. Yeah. You know, and then, you know, they're showing off the apartment, the furniture, and then that jukebox. You can't help but feel bad for her. Yeah, she always wanted a jukebox full of Connie Francis songs. I just think it's so funny. I know you looked it up because they get like 175 grand. Yeah. And you said in today's money, that would be like 300 something thousand. Yeah. 
Because when I watch it, I'm just like, you're blowing all your money. Like, you didn't need to get that jukebox. You know what I mean? Like, I feel like this penthouse apartment is probably beyond your limits. Like, it's probably maybe in 96, that wasn't that much money to buy that condo or whatever. But well, you hear all these stories about people that didn't have any money and then they win the lotto and then they blow it all within a couple of years. Right. But like, that's not that much money. It's not. And that's why, you know, they come from a background where they don't have a lot of money. And so rather than like investing it and just living off of the interest of that money, they go buy things or her mom goes and buys things. Right. Now, it's a nice apartment. I don't know if they're renting it. I don't know if they're buying it. Yeah, I don't know. To me, it felt like they bought it, but maybe they're just renting it. But even say it was $200,000 back then, which would be a four to $500,000 apartment at this point. That's still almost all of your money. Right. And Nancy's a teenager. So I don't know where her mom works, but like, it's not like you can live off of that money. No. You have to still work to upkeep that. Exactly. They didn't get like $10 million. (laughs) Right. They got a third of a million dollars. Yeah. Yeah. It wasn't that much money. But I think it also goes to show that her mom was not being wise with her money. Right. I thought we were going to see them eventually be destitute. Lose everything. Yeah, yeah. Right. Because that is the one thing, you know, they said whatever you do or put out or whatever the wording is, right. you get back three times. Times know, three. Is three times not it the same It sounds cooler times three because they always say by the power of three times three. <laughs> okay. So they get it back and we see, I mean, I guess we don't really see bad things happen because Sarah really just kind of makes them think that now all of a sudden- Bonnie's scars are all over her face and Rochelle has lost her hair. Yeah. And that didn't happen. Yeah. So I don't know. Yeah. I think like Nancy had her comeuppance. Nancy had something bad happen to her. Well, she did, but it wasn't like she went into debt, which I kind of thought was what was going to happen. Yeah. But her mom wasn't involved in that, you know? Yeah. But you're right, though. Is there some kind of repercussion for her mom? I don't know. We need the craft, too. Did we get that? No, we didn't. Are you sure? We never got the craft, too. Well, we I feel didn't. like there was a craft three. Well, we just got a remake. Yeah, last we got year. a remake of the craft. So the end of the movie, the way they wrap it all up, I think it's funny when Bonnie and Rochelle come to see Sarah after that wild night at her house where she's had this battle with Nancy and they took off. They did. Because they saw how powerful Sarah was. It was after that mirror scene, wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah. They were just like, Yeah, we're out. Right. We find out that after that night happened, they don't have their powers anymore. And they kind of suggest that maybe the three of them hang out sans Nancy. Yep. And then Sarah says, Hold your breath until I call. And then they're walking away and they're like, I bet she doesn't have her powers anymore. And she shows them. Yeah, she shows them. She sure does still have her powers. (laughs) She like instantly makes it like get cloudy and windy and start to storm and lightning strikes a tree limb down like right next to them to where they fall down. And she just stares at him like, yeah, you thinking I don't have powers? <laughs> you underestimate my power. <laughs> <laughs> and then just, of course, in that scene, I'm sure people are wondering, like, where's Nancy? And we find the very end of the movie where Nancy is in an insane asylum. She's getting her daily shot yep. medication and she has lost her mind. She has. She's talking about how Manon gave her the power and. She's flying, and she just keeps saying, But I can fly! I'm flying! I'm flying! I'm flying! I'm flying! She is just... Well, has she lost her mind? Because she did all those things. They just think she's lost her mind. 
True, but she thinks she's flying right in the moment. So oh, I think that's because of the drugs they've got her on. Probably. But I just love that part because Feruza Balk is just so good at yes. acting crazy. She looks insane there, which is yeah. fantastically on point. I can't think of another actress playing that part. I can't either. And for me, like she's such a good bad guy. I would love, you know, I know they did the craft legacy and all that, but I would love like the craft too with these actresses. Yeah. And somehow Nancy gets out. Like give us this because these people are not that old. No. Bring it on. Right. Did you have any more? I did have one. Let's end on a high note. Okay. So that magical moment when the butterflies are sent from Menon. Yes. And it's... It's quite literally a magical moment in the film, and I love it. Yep. It's like their sign that, you know, they've just done this ritual where they've all drank each other's blood and bonded to each other, completed the circle, and then they see the butterflies, and it's like, oh, it's him. Yeah. He's sent us this gift. I can feel it in me. (laughs) (laughs) But that is like, that's the fun part that they show of witchcraft that I think is attractive to everyone. Right. You know, when you get these little moments like that. I myself would be more Nancy-ish. Wanting to do the dark stuff. Yes. I mean, no murders, but the rest of it, yes. (laughs) You probably shouldn't say that out loud. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, I'm not doing any of that, but I'm just saying if I were a witch, I would be a dark witch. All right. I just want to see butterflies. I mean, I would take the butterflies too. I just want both sides. I also would love to be able to just... Swipe my hands over my hair and have a new hair color. That would be the best power overall to like change your hair color, cut, style, like whatever you wanted. Yeah. Just with waving your hands over it. Because today I went and got my hair cut and it's a bad haircut. (laughs) At least I didn't do it. Yeah, you didn't do it. Your haircut was better than this. Thank you. If only I could like wave my hands over it and have the exact haircut that I wanted, I would do it. Now, from the magical side of things, I also want to make the clouds dark and make it rain and be windy. And then if I'm angry, hit a tree branch with a lightning bolt to scare somebody, to let them know (laughs) that I'm not happy. But not hurt anyone. No, I'm not going to hurt them. I'm just going to let them know that I'm unhappy (laughs) with my lightning. I'm so glad we got to cover the craft. I've been waiting to do this. Well, it's always fun when you get to rewatch something that you would watch anyway this time of year. And now you just get to talk about it and a couple people listen to it. Couple hundred people. Couple hundreds. Hundreds. I feel like this can be our new tradition for welcoming fall is to watch the craft. But it's not really new. We don't do that at the same time every year. And now we will. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Sorry. (laughs) Yes, Nancy, we will. (laughs) Is it cloudy outside or is it just my anger? You underestimate my powers. We invoke thee. We invoke thee. (laughs) Okay, let's wrap it up. Choosing a song from 1996. Should I go first? Let's have it. This one is a little depressing, but it's one that I listen to on repeat while going through heartbreak at this time in my life. Unbreak My Heart by Tony Braxton. Oh, I felt that song. Wow. Yeah. That is a tearjerker, isn't it? It is a tearjerker, but it's also like a passionate, like, I don't know. It's almost like an empowering 
breakup song, like sad song, because it's like you're sad, but you're like, unbreak it. You broke my heart. You broke my heart, as Aiden Shaw would say on Sex in the City. Uh. <laughs> Hush. <laughs> but you're saying unbreak it. Like, love me again, you know? Maybe in a way that's not good because you're like wanting well, that person to take you back. In the early stages of a breakup, that's usually what you want. You know, it's true. You're in denial of what's just happened. You don't want that to occur. You want that person to love you again. Yeah, like why did you all of a sudden flip overnight? Yeah. Now all of a sudden you don't feel the way that you told me you felt last night? That's BS. Listen, this song is like a specific stage of the grieving process when it's attached to love. And it's the early stage. It's true. But I definitely had that cassette single and played the crap out of it. Hmm, That's a good song. Mine is on the other end of the spectrum. Rather than love, it's anger. <laughs> and it is... Rage Against the Machine, Bulls on Parade. So this one, I mean, there's just so much pent-up anger and distrust of the system and everything that I was feeling at that age Mm. is like in these Rage Against the Machine songs. So Seems I love fitting. It. Yeah. It's kind of both of our songs are fitting. It's like heartbreak and rage. Yeah. We just witchcraft. had witchcraft, rage, <laughs> love, heartbreak, all of it. All of it. All right. Well, thank you for listening. I do have to say that I did a this or that on Instagram and you can still go find the post and comment your feelings. The poll is now over, but I did put up the craft versus scream and it was a close battle that whole 24 hours that the poll stays live. Right. But the craft went out. Did it really? Yeah. It was like 54% to 46%. Oh, I like it. Interesting, right? It is interesting. But it was pretty fun to watch the people discuss why they liked these different movies. Yeah. Come let your voice be heard. Let it be heard. Just have to scroll down a little bit. Well, this was a good one. This was a fun episode. They're all fun. As long as I'm with you. Oh, so sweet. (laughs) I love you. (laughs) Love you too. Kiss. (laughs) Not in front of everyone. So if you're not already following us on Instagram, you can find us at We Don't Want to Grow Up Pod. You can join our Facebook group, which has changed names. It is now called The Cozy Club dash fans of We Don't Want to Grow Up. We're slowly growing over there. We have some great mods, Joanna and Stephanie, that are helping us out, starting conversations. So come over there. It's a good time. It is. We're on TikTok at We Don't Want to Grow Up. You can email us at we don't want to grow up at gmail.com. If you'd like to help support the podcast and all of our other endeavors, you can become a member of our Patreon, which you can find at patreon.com slash we don't want to grow up. There you can gain access to bonus episodes and soon to be extra content. Another way you can support us is by giving us a five-star rating if you listen on Apple Podcasts and leaving us a nice review. You may listen on other platforms and maybe there's another way that you could rate us or review us there. So if there is, please do so. Those numbers do matter. So if you could do that, we would really appreciate it. Also, you could help spread the word by sharing about it with your friends and family and on your social media platforms with your followers. We'll see you all later. Bye. Bye.